It's quite simple, really. You just need to show you some film. You mean like going to the pictures? Something like that. Welcome back to another fantastic episode. I am Mitch. And I am Stefan, and this is Drag Mitch to Hell, the show where I subject poor Mitch to genre movies that I love, but believe he will hate. But we're at taking it easy today. That's right. We're just having a little hell. Um, I'm excited about it because uh, basically Yvonne is on a plane going somewhere uh, with her child and partner. So we're going to delay our proper season opener and just have a little bit of fun. Plus, we've been watching tons of stuff. We've had a little bit of a, a break from recording for a few weeks here, probably just like uh, three weeks or so. But uh, yeah, still feels like it's been a while. So nice to get back into the swing of things and chat about what we've been watching. Yes, sir. Although uh, I was going to say you intimated that you haven't watched anything that you've enjoyed or felt strongly <laughs> about. <laughs> Which was, I think that was like me, uh, like a like a, like a month ago. I, I like messaged you. I'm like, I really need to watch something that's good because I feel like I haven't, uh, like I, I haven't watched anything that's excited me. Yeah, and then uh, you watched uh, Resident Evil. Welcome uh, to Raccoon <laughs> City. Yeah, I have my finger on the pulse. I have this movie that came out last year that nobody cared about. I'm gonna talk about it. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh i have a question for you um a story just came out uh a franchise we care dearly about uh both of us scream uh it's just been uh announced that i I, it could be a leverage technique but uh, a certain someone isn't returning for uh the the sequel scream 6 uh sydney prescott (gasps) what how do you feel about that apparently it's a wage dispute um she feels like she deserves more which is fair um yeah i don't know do, yeah how do you feel about her not being in a, a scream film this is fully off the cuff i did not yeah, prepare you I, for this. I and apologize. i hadn't uh, hadn't heard that um to be honest with you i don't mind uh yeah. certainly like the face of the franchise of course but i think the most recent movie did a good enough job of sort of almost passing the torch to some new people who survived who will you know i would imagine would be in the next uh movie you know you might struggle a little bit to try and come up with still storylines of how to connect them with the original murders or even i don't even know if you need to um but i would be okay with her not being in it i love nev campbell and you know love her in these movies um but i think that at this point in time I'm not like, well, you can't have a Scream movie now without Nev Campbell. They minimized <laughs> her role in the most recent one as well a little bit. Like, I felt like Scream 5 was the one that she was in the least or and had yeah. the least sort of impact on the story. So it's sort of been going that way or trending away from, from her anyway. So I wouldn't be upset. I'm happy to have her return as well. But I wouldn't be, you know, terribly upset if her. And to be honest, if Courtney Cox, well, if neither of them were in it, and it yeah. was just like the newer people, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the same page. Uh, I think at a certain point, it, like a long-running franchise, it's good to, you know, new blood. I'm not to yeah. say that she shouldn't be in it, 
Um, but I think it will uh, survive without her. I agree. Um, Although I wish she would get paid what she deserves, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's a very diplomatic. Uh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm still excited to watch it, uh, and uh, a bummer that she's not getting paid uh, accordingly. Yeah. Uh, do you want to? So obviously, this series, I, I don't even think it requires an explanation, but we're just talking about what we've been watching. Yeah. Um, do you want to start us off? Sure. I'll. Uh... <laughs> I'll start us off with probably the thing that I'm most lukewarm about. And it's not that I didn't like any of the things I'm going to talk about today. It's just that none of them I'm like, oh, man, amazing. Um, but definitely have some opinions on them. So, you know, happy to share those. But the one that I'm probably most lukewarm on that I've watched recently is this uh, Amazon Prime sort of direct to streaming Chris Pine movie called All the Old Knives. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with this movie at all? Have you seen it pop up on there? Yes, I've seen the thumbnail. Uh, it did nothing for me. <laughs> just moved on. I don't think I've ever seen a trailer for it, which is odd. Yeah, Chris so, Pine's pretty pretty big, right? Yeah, but and he's also got another one on there called like The Contractor, which I was like, what happened to these movies or to like why is Chris Pine just in these random direct to prime movies <laughs> that nobody like that you don't see trailers for? Like if it's the the Chris Pine sort of weird Tomorrow War movie, I never watched it, but like. That felt like I was seeing ads for it a lot. Like it was sort of hyped wait, wait, up. Wait, that, that, was, that was Chris Pratt, right? Chris Pratt, sorry, yes. Yeah, um, the, the weaker Chris. Uh, <laughs> agreed, agreed. I love um, Chris Pine, actually. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, and so I sort of felt the same way. I was like, I, like, I just sort of bypassed it on Prime. A couple people were like, oh, check it out. I think that you'd enjoy it. Uh, so I did. And it's not that it's a bad movie. It's just kind of, it's a little bit dull. Uh, and it's definitely one that requires you, I feel like, to pay attention uh, when it's at times difficult to do so. Where you're like, well, I kind of want to go on my phone and scroll through Instagram at the same time. But then you're going to miss things because the whole movie's like talking, essentially. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar at all with the plot. Um, but basically, not at all zero uh, so uh, here i'll read the uh, the letterboxed sort of brief log line here uh, when the cia discovers one of its agents leaked information that cost more than 100 people their lives veteran operative henry pelham is assigned to root out the mole with his former lover and colleague celia harrison who's played by uh, tandy newton in this movie uh, and chris pine is obviously the guy who's looking for the mole Sounds like a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy kind of situation. It, it, I would say it's very much a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which I actually really enjoyed. Uh, I think this yeah, movie I love is that movie. not uh, not <laughs> as good as that. Um, and again, it's not a, that it's a bad movie. It's just that it's it's fine. There's nothing overly compelling about much of any of it. It's like a perfectly serviceable sort of like political thriller kind of thing um performances are fine the the thing that made me i think i gave it like a three out of five on letterbox which we've, we've talked about our star ratings before um, yeah. which is like a mild recommendation and honestly I, I think it's the the third act or at least the the last portion of the movie uh is interesting and i think goes in a direction where i was like okay like i like this um but it's the the lead up to that that is sort of just kind of like, okay, like I'm just sort of watching this to watch it. Nothing is getting me excited and I'm not like 
super invested in the who is the mole uh, in this group of people. So it's it's fine. It's you know the the ending is the best part of the movie. Like I said, the last act is good. Um, the rest of it's fine. It's serviceable. There's nothing. I'm not overly excited about it. If someone asked me if they should watch it, I'd be like, eh, you know, it's fine. <laughs> There's, there's better things out there to watch, though. This is, like I said, this is the thing I'm the most lukewarm on as far as what I've watched recently. Um, but figured I watched it. It's It came out this year, so it's a brand new movie. And I figured, you know, I'd, I'd let you know about it, Stefan, so that you can continue to scroll Ignore past it. it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, the fact that it, it sounds comparable, not in terms of quality, but in terms of plot with Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, maybe I might be into it. I don't know. Maybe I should yeah, give it a try. A few movies like that, like the Philip Seymour Hoffman, like A Most Wanted Man is another mm-hmm. sort of of that same vein, I think same author, um, but not quite as good as Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, but I really liked it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie, yeah, I wrote in my review that it's it's competent. Everything about this movie is like a, a competent, <laughs> you know, for what it is. So so take that as you will. But uh, what, yeah. what do you have? Something you're more excited to talk about than well, you I? mentioned exposition. Uh, and you mentioned a three-star review out of five. So I think yep. it's only natural for me to go to Crimes of the Future, David Gardner's <laughs> movie. Uh, this is an odd experience. Uh, obviously, I drink the Kool-Aid. I have a video drum tattoo. I love David Cronenberg. Uh, this was a very disappointing experience for me. Let me just pull up one of my notes here. Um, the plot of this actually sounds kind of exciting. Uh, so our central character... Uh, Vigo, played by Vigo Mortensen, has what's called accelerated evolution syndrome, which means that he produces net new vestigial organs inside of him. Um, this is set in uh, the future. Uh, it's undefined uh, and also poorly realized, I think, visually. I think it's a, a, a huge misstep. It, it looks almost like a bombed out Berlin or something. Um, a lot of the sets, like it feels concrete decaying structures um and like Vigo Mortensen's like decked out and like do you know do you know do you know Rick Owens is like the fashion uh no I'm unfamiliar just google Rick Rick Owens and and that is the attire that Vigo Mortensen is coded in for the entirety of this movie um but anyways so uh this is a future where a lot of people have lost the ability to feel pain so that coupled with Vigo Mortensen's uh production of new organs has caused him to create a performance piece out of removing these new organs. Um, and they are then cataloged by, uh, uh, I think it's called the new organ registry or something to that effect, uh, which is manned by a, a very odd, uh, Kirsten Stewart performance, Kristen Stewart performance. She's like, yeah. She she's kind of uh, I don't know how to describe her it like very squirrely uh, and at first the performance I, I thought was very like odd and distracting and then I kind of like leaned into it and actually I thought she was probably one of the more interesting performances in the film um, and then also Canadian royalty we have Don McKellar uh, who's also in in uh, existence for the David Cronenberg connection uh, but you know you Don McKellar has been in a ton of stuff. Uh, they run the registry board, and there's also a new vice division, which is led by uh, the actor's name is Wilkett Bongu. I could be butchering his last name, and I apologize. Um, and it's revealed that Vigo Mortensen has kind of like a a, a dealing with 
this organization. I'm going to keep it all loosely described so as not to like spoil anything. Sure. Um, but uh, Viggo Mortensen's uh, character is aided by uh, a, a partner who performs a surgery on him, who's Leah Sadu. And honestly, uh, I think a lot of this sounds exciting, like a government organization trying to look into the development of new organs or, you know, this accelerated evolution syndrome. I think it's kind of cool, but it is boring and it's like full exposition uh, I, I described that Viggo Mortensen's character has uh, dealings with this this vice unit that's uh, you know looking into the development of new organs. Uh, it's just like a series of like weird, like it looks like they were shot on all the same evening at the same location. <laughs> it's probably a, a, an issue with budget as well as like you know COVID protocol still exists on set in Canada. So I feel like they're like we need to do all this this day, and he's got to get out. Um, and it, it just it looks cheap. Uh, it, it it's all exposition. There's no excitement or intrigue or interest. Whereas like it, it feels like when like say like video drone where he's like being pulled into like two different directions. There's at least like some excitement around that. You know what right. I mean? Like there's like, uh, you know, the very convex is trying to pull him in. And then, you know, this other organization uh, is trying to pull him in. Like, it's just, it, it doesn't have any of that kind of energy. And the dialogue is, is it at times like atrocious. Like there's an issue. He basically has these like beds that, uh, allow him his body to recalibrate itself and he's like oh it doesn't feel right uh and lisa was like oh i'll call you know x company they usually respond pretty quickly and i was like what the fuck is this like the, this might sound like a, a nothing issue but like the they usually respond pretty quickly just felt like an overwritten weird line that didn't work and just like it ruined her performance in that moment. Like there's just like odd dialogue issues. And a lot of it feels like it was written by like a first year philosophy student. Like it's yeah. like, it feels like it needed like, like a billion edits. And for somebody who's been trying to get something made for a while, and this is what you come out with is like deeply disappointing. You have this like flat, gross cinematography. Uh, it, it's it, for a movie that's like trying to turn surgery. Uh, the surgery is the new sex is a line that, uh, the character Tamlin played by Kristen Stewart offers at one time. Uh, it doesn't, it feels like very male gazy because like all, all of the nudity is like directed towards women. Uh, it, it, like it, it just, it, I don't know. Like it, it feels dated. Like yeah. it, it feels like this, uh, my review for Letterboxd is like, I can't wait for this to be remade by somebody who has like a, a more exciting approach. Cause a lot of the ideas are interesting. And uh, I don't want to talk about it too much because it does give away a bit of the plot. I think even like David Cronenberg himself at the the Toronto premiere, I think he had said something to the effect of, oh, you can leave after the first 10 minutes because that's the movie. I'm like, <laughs> well, uh, excuse me? Like, if, if that's all you have to offer, it's like kind of disappointing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. You I, know what the budget of this movie was because not that David Cronenberg has made movies like big blockbusters and that make a billion dollars and he deserves to be given sort of, you know, a blank check. Um, but he's still like a well-regarded filmmaker. I would think that he'd be able to get some like a decent budget for 
for something like this. All right, this is insulting. Uh, it was shot on a budget of $35 million. If that's true, that's mind-boggling, because that is not on the screen, let me tell you. I saw on the Wikipedia page that the $35 million mentioned, um, but this what this says is it was intended to be shot on a budget of $35 million, scheduled for release for late 2006. So this is obviously a long time ago. Oh, uh, you're right. Yeah, right. mentioned, so I wasn't sure if, they if he still had that amount of money or what the actual budget uh was but probably less than that i would imagine yeah how much time has passed since david cronenberg has made a movie that has probably made money i would <laughs> say uh yeah th this this is uh so uh, this is just an odd experience i was the only person in the whole entire theater uh when i saw it and yeah. Viggo Mortensen's character, by virtue of his condition, uh, his body is like in constant pain. And I had like a stomach bug or something. And I was like, I don't even know if I can go to this movie right now. So I felt like the like a, a very physical discomfort yeah. that made it like an even more kind of like surreal experience watching this. Uh, none of this aided in, in my, my, my <laughs> review. I, I would say if you're a David Cronenberg fan, check it out. You might like it more than I did. If you don't, like, I would steer clear. It's like a, it would be a hard pass. I, I, I don't understand anybody who doesn't like David Cronenberg going to see this and enjoying themselves. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I have no idea. Given our relationship with Cronenberg, we've done him a couple of times on this show. How do you think I would respond to this movie? And should I bother watching? I would say you shouldn't bother. So when I went to go see this, I was really excited because I was like, oh, here could here's a potential new movie that could be like a new drag match to hell if I like it and, and loved it. Because the conceit of this show is that I have to love the film. I can't just be like, eh, it's OK, right. let's, let's watch it and you're going to hate it. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like, that, that, like that's not an exciting conversation because all of your issues would be like, eh, I just thought it was like fine. Like yeah. it's not it's not an engaging discussion whatsoever. Um, I, the, the answer is I don't think you'd like it at all. Um, so don't check it out. Um, it would drag you to hell for sure. But unfortunately, yeah. cannot be a future episode for us. Well, I, I know you have lots of other options up your sleeve, so there's no yeah, shortage of films. We have a slew of uh, <laughs> options. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. I, I feel like I went on way too long about, oh, no. uh, but I think I had to. I had to get that out. Um, That's right. Yeah. I'm, to be honest, I'm still, pro I saw this yesterday. I'm still processing it. Um, but I, I doubt anything will aid uh, in it getting like a, a large, or, or a bigger or better review from me. I think it's just yeah. like, yeah, I'm still thinking about things. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll move on to uh, to probably the movie that I'm, that's next on the list of, you know, my ranking of what I've watched recently that I've enjoyed from least to most, um, which is a movie that I would recommend. It's called Emergency, and I had no idea what this was um, until I saw it just, like, pop up on uh, some website as, like, a movie people were watching. And so I was like, okay, review seemed very good. It's on Amazon Prime. Like, I'm going to check this shit out. Um, which, for those of you who don't know, this is also a 2022 release uh, directed by Carrie Williams, who I'm not familiar with looking at uh, the rest of their work. I have no idea. Um, but basically, it it's an odd movie. It's been described, uh, and maybe a little reductionist, but as uh, super bad with social commentary. 
because it's a movie about um, two two black college students uh, who are basically supposed to have this night of partying to go to all these like different parties and frats or whatever. Um, but when they return home after you know, one of them or to change or whatever, um, they discover a girl inside their house uh, who is passed out on the floor, um, clearly very sick, either, you know, alcohol poisoning or roofied maybe is a potential, but throwing up on their, you know, floor and they're very concerned but the sort of whole conceit of the movie is they sort of wrestle with the fact like should we call the police um and the reason why the you know the question even has to be asked is because they're two young black males and they found this young white girl who may be dying on their floor and so that's sort of the the quandary that they have and rather than call the emergency services they're like they try to to help the girl without sort of alerting suspicions and the movie is sort of that journey of them trying to get this girl help and the obstacles that sort of come in their way right um and i think it's a good movie but i think that it's i described it in my letterbox review as very uneven um, because there's sort of two tones that are working in this movie, which is the comedy aspect, which is the sort of super bad element. And there are plot points in this movie that are the exact same points as in super bad, um, which sort of put me off a little bit because I just felt like it seemed a little bit lazy. Um, there's the two main guys and then their other guy that sort of tags along with them. Uh, there were the roommate. Um, is sort of like the awkward nerdy guy exactly he's not quite a mclovin (laughs) but he's definitely like the socially awkward one that like isn't quite as close with them too um but then there's like a plot point uh, and i don't really feel like this is spoiling much but about like um oh like you got you're going to princeton and this guy can't like your buddy and so like you haven't told them yet like the yeah. exact same plot point exists in super bad as Fogel and uh, whatever fucking his name was. Michael Sarah are going to go to college and be roommates and they're leaving sort of Jonah Hill behind. And he hasn't had the conversation with him yet. Uh, so there were things like that, that rubbed me a little bit the wrong way, just because I was like, this feels just totally ripped off from this other movie. Right. Um, but I don't think the comedy works that well in this movie either, which is, tough when it sort of seemed like it was billed as a little bit as a comedy but what works better is the the drama sort of the more dramatic aspects of it and i think the social commentary stuff does work a little bit better and it sort of as the movie goes along i think it loses a little bit more of the comedy and moves into that more um which is good and it works and there's some really impactful scenes in the movie um that are of the more dramatic stuff Uh, but it's it's tough for me to sort of grapple with it because it also has a bunch of stuff that like frustrated me in a way and i understand it's for the movie and i won't get into the the specifics of exactly what they were but it seems like there's some like really unbelievable stuff that has to happen to get to those dramatic sequences where it's just kind of like would anyone do this (laughs) like i understand that like 
it's hard for me to speak on this as well, because as you know, Stefan, as I'm sure most of our listeners know, I am not a young black man in college. I will <laughs> never know that experience. So yeah. for me to comment on it at all is, is tough. Um, but there are just moments where it's like, I can't imagine someone making this decision right. and doing this. Yeah. Um, even considering the potential like consequences. I mean, obviously the concern is, police brutality or you might get killed by you know racist police or or whatever it is yeah um, but then there are decisions that are made that i'm like this is only increasing your chances of the police potentially doing something to you that yeah, yeah <laughs> happens so it seems odd and again it didn't work in like a comedic fashion that way so it, it's it's just very uneven for me i liked the movie as a whole like in the end i think it works i, I do think there's some really strong stuff in the in the third act uh some really great performances as well the, the two main actors uh one's rj seiler who i think is in like you me earl and the dying girl and maybe a couple other things but uh the other guy who's the sort of the one who's going to Princeton, his name is, I want to say Donald Watkins. Yes. Uh, and he's great as well. So two really good performances uh, and some good dramatic stuff and some really impactful scenes, but also some really uneven stuff and some frustrating stuff. And especially as a, a person who works for the police and takes 911 calls, uh, in, in my mind, I'm like, just call 911. Just call yeah, 911. Just do it. I understand the... Yeah, the sort of notion behind why they're not wanting to call 911 because of, you know, historically terrible dealings with police uh, and everything that we've seen over how many countless years. Um, but yeah, that there's still that instinct in me that's like, call 911 and get help. Like, yeah. especially because it's a girl who's like passed out, who's throwing up. To be honest with you, when I take a call and it's they need clearly need medical attention, I'm going to connect that call to the ambulance and I'm going to listen to see if police need to attend. And if it's there's a girl who's had too much to drink and she's throwing up, but she's awake and she's breathing, police aren't coming. Like yeah. we're not going to attend because there's yeah. no reason to, unless there's something more suspicious happening. Um, whether that's the same case for most cities or wherever they were, it could be totally different. Um, but just, you know, having that background in my mind made it more frustrating at, at times to watch, um, but yeah. still a good movie. Still worth checking out. It's on prime, which a lot of people have It's easy. You don't have to pay for it or seek it out too hard. It's right there. Um, it, and it's not like a, a really difficult watch or a super long movie by any means. So I think it's worth watching uh, if you want to give it a chance. Yeah. I, I was supposed to watch it uh, ahead of this podcast episode, but I just went hog wild crazy and go into the theater. Yeah, uh, no worries. Yeah, because I, I, I saw Crimes of the Future. I saw uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, finally. Uh, and then I saw Top Gun, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, and I just uh, I didn't have time. It's funny because my partner uh, had, has been wanting to watch this for a while, actually. And we, we watched the trailer. Um, I think this was after you had, I, I had read your initial thoughts. Um, so maybe it did color my my perception. But the trailer seems to not know what the movie is either. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it kind of sucks because like if it was better as like a, you know, a drama with, you know, maybe more like suspense thriller kind of moments in it, maybe it would have been a better film. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to check it out. And I'm and I'm curious. Yeah, um, and I would I'd love to chat with you after you've seen it to talk. We don't have to do it on here, but just a little bit more of the specific plot details of things that happen later in the movie. So you can understand 
my frame of mind or i can ask you and be like so do you think this made sense or like that yeah. someone would make this decision or how it could have been improved a little bit but uh but yeah definitely give it a watch and we can chat again done deal um all right so i'm gonna give you some options here okay um i have the sadness i have resident evil welcome to raccoon city uh stranger things season four uh and everything everywhere all at once which do you want next um the one of those that i'm most excited to watch that i haven't is everything everywhere all at once so why don't you tell me about that one all right cool so we have uh this is directed by daniels uh these are the two daniels uh, uh most infamous for the farting corpse movie swiss army man uh and then one of them did a movie that i still really want to check out called the death of dick long um, which i haven't seen yet but uh, I, I i saw the trailer i liked it it looked like uh an absolute uh, i don't mean this uh, as derisively as it's gonna come off but like a white trash uh coen brothers uh and that excites me Um, this obviously has Michelle Yeoh in it, uh, and she basically discovers that, uh, something has infected the metaverse. And a lot of this sounds stupid and a lot of people are going to roll their eyes, I'm sure, but she's basically, uh, I don't know how to describe this without giving stuff away. Uh, she learns that the metaverse is being infected by an evil force, like a supervillain in a Marvel film of some kind. Um, and that she basically needs to, uh, leech off of the abilities of her other selves within the metaverse to combat this force. Um, and that's, I think that's the, the best way to describe it without giving anything away uh this movie has like so much interesting interesting stuff going for it basically the way that our central character leeches off of her other selves is by doing the weirdest stuff in a scene that exists like outside of like the social norms Uh, and that's like 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 you know pulling a bottle of fanta out of the fridge like a full one liter bottle and just guzzling it down uh there's a scene where uh Man, I, I don't even want to describe it. Uh, there's a butt plug involved, multiple oh, butt plugs, and wow. it is wonderful and great. Um, <laughs> if I've, uh, I have uh, two criticisms. Uh, the first one is that it's too long. Uh, it does slow down towards the end. What this movie does is uh, it has a great, like a, a great dynamic that underpins all of the hilariousness that just makes this such a good movie but it is a bit too long so one criticism and then the second is that i I think some of the visuals for how they show the connection of the metaverse is kind of lazy and doesn't have uh doesn't share the imagination that the rest of the film does like the metaverse is like a point cloud and i'm like well that's what probably anybody would first think of to visualize like a, a series of interconnected universes which to me this is just me being nitpicky, I guess, but it, yeah. it doesn't seem to have like the same level of funny, weird, odd shit that the rest of the movie does. Uh, but I really liked that. That was great. I thought all the performances were awesome. Uh, it might be Jamie Lee Curtis's best role. Uh, Cause like I find her, uh, especially nowadays to have like a little bit of a grandma energy that I do not, uh, I'm not a huge, it's like way too earnest or something. There's something that rubs me the wrong way about, uh, uh, current Jamie Lee Curtis, but this movie okay. uses her very well, uh, and I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm excited to see what the two Daniels do next. 
yeah i'm excited to check it out uh it seemed like this movie came out i think just before or just after the doctor strange multiverse of madness movie right, yeah and people seem to be like this is the the multiverse movie that uh that you want to see yeah over the doctor strange one which did you watch that by the way uh i have not but i can confirm that this is okay. the correct one <laughs> i mean like, i'm sure that it is yeah yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a really really fun movie um i so i had the weirdest experience seeing this um we went to our local theater, which is a like a one screen rep theater. It's kind of more of an art house vibe. Usually the crowd is super respectful. We sat at the back and I was like really comfortable. It's relaxed. Then these two fucking weirdos. I, I, my partner didn't know if they were like drunk or high or both. I thought they were just stupid, to be honest. They sat down. They just started like talking loudly through the movie. And I've never shushed anybody uh, yeah. in the theater. And I shushed them. I don't shushing is so like it's stupid. I, I want to tell them to get <laughs> fucked, but I I didn't have the uh, the courage uh, to, to say that. So I yeah. shushed them and they apologized. Then they kept going. <laughs> I was just like Jesus. Like, like, I'm sorry. I, we're gonna I, keep I, doing it, but I'm sorry that we're doing. It. Yeah, it was this, like, again. It, it feels like there was something wrong. Like they, yeah. they, these people were just stupid. Um, too bad. But uh, funny thing, and this isn't giving anything away. There is a fake out credit roll in this movie and they got up and left (laughs) (laughs) and so like that's funny and the movie starts up and they kind of came back and and watched it for like a a second from the um um just from like the lane and then like they're like now we'll leave and (laughs) just left again (laughs) it was so good uh so and the the problem there is that I didn't really get to enjoy the first half as much as I want to. Like it was getting to the point where I was almost just going to go say like to whoever's working at the concessions, like, yo, handle this. Or like, I want my money back. Like, fuck yeah. off. Like I'll, I'll see it again. Like it, it, it was almost such a, this, like an experience so bad enough that I was like, I'm not going to the theater anymore. Like I'm just like fully fed up. Uh, yeah. It's just that, so irritating. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm fine. If you want to say like a funny thing every once in a while, like I'm not like a like a oh you have to be quiet you know like uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not nevish, but that shit uh, is irritating. Or when you people are on their phones the whole fucking time and it's yeah. like just you don't. Need oh, they to were be doing that too. They're on their phone too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just annoying. Like the, the movie theater going experience is like twofold. It's like the movie itself. But then there's also like the B plot of like what's <laughs> happening in the theater at the same time. Because I always end up like, oh, I went to see Top Gun and probably 20 minutes into the movie, like these group of people that were sitting in the same row, like all got up and left. And I was like, why? Like, I, I just wonder, like, why did they leave? What did they not enjoy what was happening so far? Like, is this just like a bad movie to them? Like they couldn't have like, gone into a top gun movie thinking that like it was gonna be like so much better than what we've got so far it just like i always wonder though because those people get up and they leave in like the middle of the movie and then they never return to their seat and you're just like aren't you with the other people that you came in with like what where'd you go uh, so, that, that is a good b plot <laughs> i want to know what's going on in their lives also it's an expensive walkout yeah yeah, yeah, just to to leave the theater, and so I always end up wondering briefly, like, I wonder why they're leaving. You know, where are they going? 
what br- uh, what brought you here uh, in yeah, this multiverse? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that sucks that they uh, you know partially ruined your experience. But I'm glad you still enjoyed the movie. Yeah, and it's hard because um, I have like I find it hard to concentrate when I hear other things. Like when I work, I have to like I, I'll wear headphones that like I can't reasonably hear anything else. Yeah. Uh, same thing if I'm if I'm reading, I can't I can't if I hear something, my attention's gone. Um, uh, I guess it's all to say I have terrible attention. <laughs> so, so when people are doing that, I have a hard time concentrating on the film, especially one that yeah. has both subtitles and English. Um, yeah, yeah, I just I, it was it was rubbing me the wrong way uh, I, to the point where I'd actually like to see it again, and I probably like I, this might even go up like a, a star rating yeah. watching it again just by virtue of not having those assholes <laughs> <laughs> around me while I'm watching it. Well, did I tell you that uh, when I went to see Drive My Car, I had to shush? People, you shushed? But oh. they weren't even in the theater. They were. There was like a group of people who had clearly been let out of like another movie already that had just congregated right outside of our theater and we're just talking. And that movie is so fucking quiet and like not a whole lot, you know, being said. And when it is, it's very subtle that like you could hear their entire conversation in the in the yeah. theater and so after like five minutes of it i just had like walked out i was like <laughs> hey do you guys mind like we everyone can listen to your entire conversation right now because this movie's very quiet and like oh okay sorry and then they wandered off but you still heard a little bit of shit from the hallway but yeah. at least they were you know nice about it and, and left and but yeah it was a weird experience honestly i wish i would have left with them at that point but <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie man it's a good movie <laughs> Oh, all right. What else you got? I, I, that was a very brief uh, everything everywhere all at once for me. But right. you got something else for me? I do indeed. So okay. a movie that you actually recommended I watched, which is the Moorhead and Benson. Is this their first movie, Resolution? Yeah, it's or... the first feature. Okay. I'm like 99% sure. I'll look it up while you talk. Okay. Yeah, came out in 2012. Uh, we've talked about them before because I think we've talked about Synchronic on this uh like the little hells before uh i don't know if we've talked about the endless on here but we've definitely talked about it um you know just casually in conversation with each other but i think we both think that they're interesting you know directors and make some interesting movies and i hadn't seen this so i decided to check it out and i'm glad that i did it's uh it's a solid movie it's clearly you know low budget um but I think that it works really well and they're really creative in what they do with their sort of constraints, uh, the budgetary constraints, because it's a movie about a like a pair of friends. The one guy is sort of living in this empty, unfinished shack, little house kind of thing uh, in the woods. And then the other friend comes uh, to try and force him to get sober, essentially. Uh, this guy's a drug addict and, you know, he was clearly high and sending him. He, I guess it starts off with a video that the um, addict character has sent to uh, our other main character, to his friend, which prompts him to come by and try and, you know, get him sober, which he does basically by force, uh, handcuffs him to uh, a post or something in the in this house. But then weird stuff starts happening where you don't really know what's going on and they keep seeing sort of these clues as to like 
uh, okay, there's a video or a record or something, but then it's showing clips of them or conversations they've had and things. So, so it's very trippy. And I think like unsettling is the, is the perfect word to, to describe it because it's not like a, I wouldn't describe it as like a horror movie because there's not a ton of like scares. There's not, you know, a lot of that stuff. It's really just these sort of creepy moments where it's like, okay, what's going on here? What exactly is happening with them trying to figure it out and them wondering what's going on. Um, and then some other sort of characters that get introduced who are also odd or just, I think it's a really good piece of like creative filmmaking that shows what you can do with very little money. You can still be super effective and find solutions to problems where you don't need big set pieces or big visual effects or anything like that uh, and still tell an effective story with some really creepy stuff uh, and just two guys in a sort of house in the woods, essentially. Uh, I'm coming back to say it is their first movie together. Moorhead had done a movie previously. This is Benson's first feature. Um, Yeah, I I like this movie a lot. I think it's great. I haven't seen it in a long time, but uh, it left an impact. And I thought it was a great way to uh, make a movie with no money whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, It's it's really great. And, you know, it's like I said, it's super creative ways that you wouldn't really think about or that you have to think outside the box like okay how do we creep people out without you know some cg or some vfx stuff or like big um prosthetics monsters or things like that it's like we just need something to be unsettling enough um and and there's reasonable explanations for most of the things um until you sort of get further into this story yeah it matters if we're spoiling things in it or not yeah Uh, but like when the one night like he wakes up and there's just a girl's face standing in the window uh super creepy moment but then it's just like it's explained as well there's some sort of like um psychiatric you know ward or house or something that's not too far from here and the kids wander off all the time yeah and and that's it it's not like oh it was a ghost or whatever and it's just like oh okay like and but there's still this unsettling moment and then with the sort of clips of like them being watched or recordings of them or things like that then it just adds to that sort of creepiness is like okay and there's moments where you're sort of getting almost what you think might be like a pov of like a person watching them but you're not really sure and so i think it's just a yeah, really strong first team effort i suppose yeah. uh, from both of them and i think they've sort of continued that same trend this very much feels like a movie that would be there first if you've seen the endless uh or synchronic i don't know if what else they, they've done if i i've seen them all at this point that, that's that's it um, okay. they're doing a marvel movie uh next together <laughs> okay interesting yeah um i t- i don't like i don't love the idea of taking cool people who are doing well directing and shepherding shepherding them into marvel movies because it feels like a very restricting environment where you can actually do what you'd like to do like they have to like we have to protect the integrity of like phase whatever stupid phase (laughs) that the they're like those garbage movies are being made in i don't mean to say garbage movies some of them are good uh but largely i couldn't care less and the fact that they're directing movie doesn't like really interest me like I'm, i'm curious as to what their next this type of film is going to be 
uh, versus yeah, absolutely. the next Marvel movie. And I've I have similar thoughts where it's like there's you're putting them in this box of Marvel stuff where it's like yeah you you might let them delve into a little bit more about like what they do, but it's still going to be this Marvel container which is kind of how i felt about the recent doctor strange movie it's like you get some sam raimi in there but it still feels like your sort of marvel yeah. uh movie and i've had this conversation with people before and you know if and this is in a, in a world where i'm a successful director and i have this option like, if if someone offered me to direct james bond i'd say no i don't want to because yeah. it just feels like I don't want to make the same movie that's been made a bunch of times just with a slightly different plot. Um, but, and have, to, you know, you have to hit these beats and it has to have the song and it has to have, you know, the shaken, not stirred and the bond James, like, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to make that. Movie. Let me just make, let me just find some like spy novel or something that I can do or that I think is cool. And let me just make my own movie. That's free from any sort of restrictions or ties to all these other movies or fan service that has to be paid or anything like that. Just yeah. let me just let me make a fun spy movie that I want, not James Bond. And same with the Marvel stuff. It's like I don't don't put me in something where I have rules that I have to like check off. And you know, like you said, with it's Phase Four, and and it has to tie in with these six other movies, and we have to have <laughs> Easter eggs in the background that you know of fucking this character that no one's ever heard of. It's like nah, yeah. no, 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 yeah, that's, that's not us. interesting uh, to me at all. Yeah, like risk adverse filmmaking to me is like the laziest, most boring thing yeah. in the world. And I like I, I don't understand why anybody would want to make a movie yeah, apart uh, from like the paycheck and uh, yeah, sort of so, notoriety yeah, that comes with it. Yeah, I mean, like the money is fine. Like I understand that as like a like you know, like a utilitarian answer as yeah. to why you're doing it. But anything beyond that, like I don't know why anybody would want to reasonably make. Uh, I love CGI, by the way. I think it's great. I think it's hard to do. I don't think it gets enough credit. Uh, but yeah. it's a CGI fuckfest, and it's like not. It has like no. Yeah. It's like it's the. I don't know. Like when you're seeing like a full green screened set behind people, I'm just like I. Like I don't know. Like these movies are made with like such a huge budget. It's unfortunate to not to not like you know either make sets or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I just I don't care. <laughs> If they're not made for me, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's, I'm yeah. not the uh, the target audience uh, for these movies. Like, yeah, you know, I'm not the person who's obsessed with them. And as, as much as I say that, I've got I go to see them in the theater when they come out. Um, but mostly because I've got a buddy who is yeah. a big Marvel fan. We work together. We have the same days off, so it just works out. It's like, yeah, we'll go in an afternoon and watch the movie. And I just like movies. I like going to the theater, so I'm happy yeah. to go and and watch them. Uh, but they're certainly not my you know top choice for for what I want to see. Um, but we've it's not that this is related at all. But I was sort of having this conversation with someone else, and I wanted to bounce it off you. Yeah, I was at sure. work the other night, and uh, sometimes when I'm at work and it's a night shift and it's a slow night, I'll just throw a movie on my tablet and sort of let it play there and with subtitles on and take calls in between. Yeah. Um, and I threw on Elysium, the Neil Blomkamp yeah, um, follow-up yeah. movie to District 9. And it's got me thinking, what happened to his career? Because District 9 was a huge hit, obviously. Great movie. Um looks beautiful best picture nomination like award nominations and you know big deal 
And then he moves from that, the sort of logical next step, which he, what he did was make a bigger uh, budget sci-fi movie with sort of A-list actors, Matt Damon. which was Elysium, which I don't think is a fantastic movie by any means, but there's some really cool stuff in that movie. Like yeah. the, the sort of world that exists there and the, the effects in those movies are unbelievably good. Yeah. Um, the sort of like robots and spaceships and all that stuff. I really love the world. There's really neat stuff going on there. And then there's nothing. Like after that, there's. <laughs> well, I guess I forgot about Chappie, but like he makes Chappie, which is a weird sort of movie that like I was fine. Like I wasn't a big fan of. Um, and then last year he came out with this horror movie. Um, demonic i think which i did yeah it was demonic yeah Yeah. um but there's no like he goes from big sort of surprise success hit movie with district nine to bigger didn't get great reviews but still you know i still think was fine like it wasn't it was competent bomb exactly it was competent (laughs) uh, with big a-list stars and then he makes a chappy which i think was a lower budget no stars actually you know what i think hugh jackman is in that movie uh really (laughs) as like a villain but like for the most of the movie it's like fucking that south african rap the rap duo diane word or whatever yes yes. um who aren't like great actors and i'm not sure why that decision was made um so it's like i don't want to I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to interrupt yeah. you. Uh, I just want to say justice for Charlton Copley. I think he gets like a lot of shit, but I actually enjoy him a lot. I just want to stop to say that. That's all I want to say. Yeah, I think he's a good actor. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with Charlton Copley. Anyways, <laughs> continue, please. But uh, but yeah, it's just so weird to me because it feels like there's a lot of people who are like directors who they make one or two good movies and then they coast for like 20 years, but they're still making stuff. And it might still, you know, still comes out and you still get like some actors who you know in it. Whereas like, I have to look up this demonic movie, Uh, but I feel like this guy is not that far removed from sort of two higher profile projects, one with big stars. You think he would have developed relationships enough or like he'd be an interesting enough filmmaker that some stars whether or not they're matt damon level or b sort of level stars people below that would want to collaborate with him and make a movie with him because he's done at least a couple interesting things and one very interesting great super well received movie um but it's just like it it doesn't do you know do you know what he had been trying to develop for a long time well i think that he was attached to the halo project he did, he did while, like a short but... film yeah uh that that kind of like is done in the style of uh district nine i, I confuse district nine and district thir- 13 district the, 313 the, yeah, yeah, yeah the french parkour, parkour action movie, movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh he was he was trying to develop a direct to aliens sequel um right, right yeah right. so he was trying to do that for a while um and then he was doing those like he developed like oats studio so he was doing like shorts with like more visual effects side stuff uh some of them i really really liked there was a really good sci-fi horror one where there's like this like it's like a a ball of like 
uh, undulating hands. <laughs> or that I think I've seen that one. I, yeah. I remember watching a few of them because I was looking like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. And I found some of these short films and I'm like, okay, like this is fine. But like, what are you making? You're making stuff on YouTube. Like <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like such a strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. I couldn't tell you what the budget of is for this, you know, uh, demonic movie that he released but again the reviews were terrible and then like the actors in it carly pope chris william martin michael j rogers and like the actors have like uh, not all of them but like carly pope plays carly michael rogers plays michael chris william martin plays martin christopher wardrobe plays detective oh sorry i thought it was detective chris but as chris um, so it's like and the actors are just playing characters with the same names as them like this just seems like a low budget like project somebody made for fun yeah. you know what i mean like it looked terrible like it looked terrible film, and it did not look good and the yeah. reviews were bad so it's like well, what happened because this looks like it has no money no actors in it is so i'm just curious and just the situations like this stand out to me where it's like it seems like he should be making uh movie like a sci-fi movie that goes on netflix or something yeah. at this point if if he's been unable to sort of recapture the magic of what he did in the first movie well at least he's you know he's making the fucking charlie's theron immortals movie on netflix or that chris pratt tomorrow war movie like it right. seems like those are like that's where he would be but instead yeah. it's like it seems like struggling to get anything made and then makes this super low budget nothing so i mean there's a billion different reasons why that could be the case it just again was watching that movie and having these thoughts and thought i'd bounce them off you someone who also pays attention to movies yeah i don't know uh, it seems uh, like a waste of talent maybe there was never talent it was just like a flash in the pan first good movie um or maybe yeah. it's an inability to find like uh, a good script. He's not a writer director, right? He's just a director. Or well, see, he... and and maybe that's the thing because this demonic is written by him, but District Nine, I think, was written by definitely one other person. Maybe yeah. So him and Terry Tatchell. Find Terry Tatchell. Make so, another movie. Yeah, they've got to <laughs> collaborate uh, again. Although they did Chappie together as well. Mm. Uh, Let's see, writer for, she has four credits, District 9, Chappie, and Zygote, which I think is one of yeah. the short. That, that, that's, that's the hand one, I believe. Then nothing, nothing else. Yeah. Which is also strange. If you're the writer of an Oscar-nominated movie, you would think that you'd have some other credits. Yeah. It's very bizarre. What's going on with these two? I don't know. <laughs> like... It, it, it's i know it takes a she while she was oscar nominated she was an oscar nominated and right, still i i've no i i i don't know what's going on behind That's the scenes there yeah yeah to be like your first movie i assume it's her first writing credit too is an oscar nomination and then from there it's like bloop chappy yes. <laughs> yeah so there's a short film called yellow in 2006 yeah. then there's district nine oscar nomination then six years later, Chappie comes out, and then 2017 is this zygote short. Maybe she's really refining the script for Chappie. Yeah. 
I didn't even get a laugh out of you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was reading something that I was like, wait, is this something that I could maybe listen to you in here? But yeah, it took a long time to get that script to the perfection that, uh, that it was. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like I've wasted so much time talking about Neil Blomkamp. We didn't even watch any of his movies or anything to do with him. Uh, this is just a thought I had the other day. That's funny. We but, should watch uh, yeah. Demonic together. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be down to do that. I like watching dumb stuff. Maybe on our next little hell, let's commit to watching Demonic, Demonic. and talking All right. about it. Yeah, sounds good. All right, done deal. Um, Maybe we can do a little bit of. Uh, I can look for like a podcast or something. See if I can find some answers as to where he's been or, or and where Terry Tatchell's been. You know, what's she doing? <laughs> Terry Tatchell. We're all wondering where she's at. Um. All right. So, I, so what do you got? <laughs> I, I have nothing to follow that up with. I, I, have, I have three things that I would like to just mention. How about that? We can go to yeah. Top Gun. I, I wasn't expecting this to be long because like, we haven't done one in a while and I've yeah. watched a whole bunch of shit. Um, why don't we start with, we'll go in order. So I'll do uh, The Sadness First, which is a uh, Taiwanese film directed by a Canadian Rob Jabaz, who uh, I believe lives in Taiwan. Uh um, it is, I don't know how this, how this is, how this works, but it's loosely based on a Garth Ennis, uh, comic book. Who's the guy who did preacher, uh, called crossed, but it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's stated anywhere. It's like, they've taken some of the story of it and then run with it. And they just ran with it. Um, I don't know how you do that legally, but I, I can't remember if it's credited in the, in the, in the credits of the film or not. But uh, this is about two people who are uh, non-characters. We have, uh, it's, a, it's a couple. We have the layabout boyfriend, and we have the career-having uh, girlfriend. And she's gone off to work, and he's laying about. Uh, meanwhile, uh, what has started off as a pandemic, um, uh, basically the morphology of the disease evolves in such a way that it causes uh, rabies-like symptoms. Um, and that means that, did, did you ever see Mayhem, the Jill Lynch movie with Stephen Yun and I think Margot Robbie, question mark? I did not. Okay. Um, it's like that, except the people go way wilder. Like their most evil uh, inclinations that are dormant in their brain come out and they enact that violence. Um, the difference between this and like a zombie movie is that the personhood of the individual still exists. Uh, it just takes a backseat to these urges of the person. And the movie is called the sadness because the characters kind of weep. And that's like the indication that uh, they have this disease and they, you know, they have like a sick grin. I think a lot of the aesthetics of the, the people who are infected in this uh, is successful. I think it, it, looks good and is creepy the problem with this movie is that it doesn't really do anything with its concept and i i got i got pretty aggressive in my review here for for letterbox but um because uh everybody's doing their dark inclinations it's a very like mis misogynistic experience like there's so much rape in this movie it's unreal um or maybe i'm over uh a, a aggrandizing there's a lot of rape in this movie though and there's like uh, a particularly uh uh somebody's uh uh removed eye area is utilized by one of the people who uh is stricken with this condition the sadness that's how like it's pretty gross um so 
it, it, it largely feels like because these are two non-characters, we were introduced to them very, very briefly. Uh, the the girlfriend. I'm not gonna. I'm not looking up the actors or the names because they're like whatever. <laughs> that's, that's what's unfortunate. We have two people that we're supposed to care about through this, and we like I don't at all whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it feels like Shaun of the Dead almost because you have like the Shaun characters, like this, this you know lazy person who has like no grand aspirations in life. And, you know, it, it feels like they're on the verge of breaking up potentially, um, even though they still have like a loving relationship. But uh, as soon as they separate, he's just trying to get across to her uh, while this is occurring. And it feels like people just like this, like this is written by the director. It feels like they just want to toss like every like nasty thing that they could conceive of. And that was going to be the movie. So it's like it's 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 made for people who like uh I, I want to be like offended, bro. Like, <laughs> like I, 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 that's yeah. not for me. That's like not my interest. I, I want to see like an interesting movie that has, you know, at least something to say or characters that I care about. And this has neither, uh, unfortunately, because it just feels like it's like written for like incel misogynistic <laughs> dudes who are just like, yeah, I want to see like more rape and like, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, stuff like that, please. Like, it's it's, it's not interesting um, to me because like they do establish that these people do retain their personhood. I'd be interesting, like, like, all right, all this awful shit happens. Uh, it'd be kind of interesting to see what happens if it went away and everybody yeah. had, you know, a recollection of what they had done and like there's interesting stuff you can do with that instead it ends on like a like horribly nihilistic beat that uh concerns a character that i don't care about i'm, I'm talking about this vaguely to not ruin it uh right. for anybody uh who hasn't seen it but this was not for me i think it's trash um i don't think there's anything interesting to say and it was a largely disappointing experience uh for a movie that has a lot of buzz because people just want to see gory shit that's like the lowest common denominator of like horror fan uh that yeah. i find uh not for me that sounds like you uh <laughs> i'm judging your taste uh but you know go check it out on shutter where horror movies go to die i guess i don't know <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't sound like something i'll be uh i'll be checking out no it's not worth your time um the, some of the I, one positive thing because i don't want it to be like a fully negative uh review some of the action uh cinematography like during like the uh when shit hits the fan is done pretty well and again i do think that the the people who exhibit like the sadness uh do look somewhat creepy it's just unfortunate that it's like no, let's let's ram this guy's balls into a barbed wire wrapped pole. Like, like I don't yeah. care, man. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, this is not for me, man. Uh, let's let's do uh, another zombie outbreak. Uh, movie. Something with a little more class. A little bit more class, just a touch. Uh, Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City, directed by the guy who did what is it? Forty six meters down. What was that movie called? Forty seven meters down. Is that the sequel? No, I think 47 meters is the... Is the original, and is it 48 meters? Whatever the metric unit uh, is, uh, starring Mandy Morris, that director, uh, I'm not looking him up, haven't done any research. Uh, I just watched this because I wanted to watch something that I didn't have to think about. And I was kind of impressed, to be completely honest. Uh, it's shot on anamorphic lenses. It like, looks very cool. There's slow zooms. The music is, is pretty good. Uh, the acting isn't great but i 
like it lended itself to the experience like i just want to watch something trashy and corny and uh yeah. the performances like gave me what i was looking for um there is some like uh and I, I i again i do like cgi i'm not the person who's like constantly trashing it there's some fucking awful cgi in this that like ruins uh two key moments but uh i do think like as somebody who's played the video games particularly the first and the second one which the plot of this largely collapses both of those films together um i think it does a good job of showing the scarier stuff like i think the zombies in it look really really good like there's one where scene where like blood is like dripping from uh you know the, they've recently fed on one of the like uh raccoon city police department members officers uh and he's marching towards another person it looks really really good and uh okay. you know I was, I was having fun with it um it's kind of dumb as shit uh <laughs> <laughs> like like the one character is a conspiracy theorist uh, which, you know, like it's, it's hard to do conspiracy theory now because it's been ruined by like the gross QAnon. <laughs> yeah. Like it, 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 if you want to look at anything that's done conspiracy theory material well recently, uh, I highly recommend the graphic novel, uh, the department of truth. Uh, which I had, uh, I went to a comic book shop just before Christmas. Uh, this is a long story. I apologize. This is my Neil Blomkamp story right here. <laughs> All right, so uh, I went to this comic book shop, and uh, I was like, I'm looking for like a new horror series that I I haven't I haven't read yet. Uh, like, what do you have to recommend? And he had suggested this, and I looked at the cover, and I was like, I don't know why. Uh, it's probably because I'm an idiot, but I I just thought of like the R.I.P.D. movie, <laughs> the Rest <laughs> in Peace Department. I was like, this is going to be shitty, and I have no interest whatsoever. Uh, and I, I was wrong. That's not. That's it. Couldn't be further from that. Uh, this is a great graphic novel that uh, basically this person who works for uh, the CIA gets recruited for a uh, a new department that uh, basically in this in the universe of this comic book, uh, if enough people believe something, it becomes true. So the Department of Truth is meant to uh, to to quell any like it, it, if you're a gross QAnon person like people eating babies could come it, you will that into reality essentially right. uh and it's just a great I, i'm on the volume two right now the first volume is amazing uh i highly recommend you check it out that's a great way to do like handle conspiracy theory stuff but i think that the main character of uh claire thinking that there's something in the water and like coming back to the town to try to save it as like it's revealed that there is something in the water it it it, it it feels like it exists under the air of like gross conspiracy theories. Uh, and that I don't like, that's maybe an unfair criticism of the movie. Fine. But I just like it, like it feels weird and gross to me as a viewer. Like, like again, QAnon and like all that gross shit has like ruined fun conspiracy theory forever. Like, I don't think it can ever come back. It's got to such a dark place that uh like and, and i'm not like into that stuff at all but i love people creating like weird stories and i like like mysteries so there's a certain element of my brain that appreciates the existence of conspiracy theories pre gross stuff <laughs> you know what i mean like uh uh man i hope i don't sound like a weirdo now <laughs> if i do i apologize i'm not really at normal i think uh Anyways, uh, all this is to say that I actually, I had low expectations. This exceeded it. I had fun. Um, 
And, you know, uh, like I said, I have my finger on the pulse of, you know, what's really cool right now. And a movie that came out uh, about a year and a half ago and did no money whatsoever, I think, uh, is the finger on the pulse, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I guess the positive thing about uh, this weird review, (laughs) rambling review that's come out well after this movie's already existed is that maybe you'll go check it out and it gets like one extra viewer. Um, (laughs) I think it does... You know, I I kind of wish there's a sequel almost because I I I, uh, I I enjoyed it enough that I, I would I, I I'd uh, double down for a sequel. So right. the original Resident Evil came yeah. out. Paul W S Anderson movie. Paul um, Thomas Anderson. Let me correct you there. Clearly <laughs> <laughs> made a bunch of money because it made they made like six more of them. Yeah, but uh, I don't know anyone that liked them. They're terrible movies. Yeah, I, I saw that. They're not good. Yeah, they're not. They're not good at all. Um, and this movie came out. You seem to have fun with it. Yeah, but you said it made no money. So I think the 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 Paul W S Anderson movies, or sorry, Paul Thomas Anderson movies, had ruined any kind of goodwill that existed for that franchise. Um, okay. it, it also came out like uh, during the pandemic, I believe. I could be like my brain. All the time that exists uh, during this weird nether realm that we're in has like collapsed in on itself. So I'm not entirely sure when it was released, but it was released in a time where like people really weren't going to the theater. I don't think. And Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City sure as hell wasn't the ticket. Yeah. Um, and again, last like, year I'm just trying to figure out uh, November 24. Yeah, it, it's just like, eh. um, it, and I think it does deserve. It, it deserved to make its money back at the very least. I think it's like it's worthy of that. Um, well, I'm gonna watch yeah. it. Uh, check it out. I, I, I'm curious as to your thoughts. Just watch when you want when, when you want to watch something dumb and just enjoy yourself. So yeah, 25 million dollar estimated budget, gross worldwide 38 million. Oh, it may okay. There you go. That that's uh, not su- successful enough for a uh, a sequel, but. You know, somebody yeah. made money. Uh, granted, I I don't think the budget includes marketing budget or probably marketing not, spend. No, so, no, so. Well, probably, probably not. flat, <laughs> like a little <laughs> yeah. bit extra money. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't want to make this too long of an episode. I do want to say that I really, really enjoyed the fourth season, uh, the first volume oh, okay, of Stranger right. Things. Well, yeah, let's but... save it for uh, for next time, and I'll watch it as well. Yeah, so yeah. The next little hell because I haven't yeah. watched any of it yet. Yeah, I, I, it's my second favorite season thus far. I think it would go one, four, three, two in terms of enjoyment for me, and it it, okay. it, it does a good job. I think I think you'll like it a lot. Um, why don't I'm we get into uh, yeah? Why don't we get into our main event, the Danger Zone, Top Gun Maverick? That's uh, right. Directed by uh, Joseph Kosinski, uh, Tron Legacy, <laughs> Homer. Yeah. Did you see the article where it's like Marvel movies ruined the uh, appetite for a sequel to Tron Legacy? <laughs> no, I, uh, it, I was like, man, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, otherwise, Legacy, people have been clamoring for that shit. Yeah, Tron Legacy ruined its own chances of a yeah. sequel by being a bad movie, dude. <laughs> I fell asleep in that movie in the theater. Uh, and it's a shame, like the the Daft. I love Daft Punk, and the score for it's like wonderful. Um, yeah. And even that is like can't can't rouse you from the uh, uh, the the grips of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <in that movie. laughs> yeah. 
Um, I have a question for you before yeah. we get started here on uh, Top Gun Maverick. You mentioned you're going to go see it again in D box. Yes. Did you Did you do it? No, not yet. Okay. But I still plan on it. Uh, do you want to describe D box uh, in case anybody else is like me and a human being? <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. Oh, I mean, you go to like the the theater near you that has one theater. If you go to the Cineplex uh, <laughs> on a regular basis, I feel like you know what it is because it's in all the big theaters. There's like two rows of these seats and they're called D-box seats, which people jokingly <laughs> refer to as the D-bag seats. Uh, but basically, it's a seat that fucking vibrates and moves along with the movie that you're watching. So... When the you know engine's starting up, you, it's going to start vibrating, and then it'll move and stuff. But the people fly the fucking planes, and I've never sat in them before. And I felt like if I'm going to sit in them for a movie, this one probably makes the most sense to see what these things are all about, and if it actually makes the cinema going experience any more enjoyable. Okay, follow up question for you now. Um, what is it? What's the upgrade in price for this? glorified massage chair <laughs> i think it's like an extra like four dollars or something oh that's aggressive um <laughs> but yeah I, th- I do agree i think there's if there's any movie requiring a massage massage chair while you're watching it i think this is probably it yeah. um also what's up with the branding of these things like uh there's there's d box i remember when I think when Star Trek Beyond came out, there was something called Barco, which is the dumbest name for the dumbest thing in the world, which is like, it was like a three-paneled fake panorama. Oh, uh, right. It was ter- but it was only utilized for like two scenes, and then it restricted it to the center screen, which is smaller than a standard screen. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you're charging me extra for this? <laughs> no wonder theaters are dying, you dumbasses. <laughs> Well, and then don't forget, I don't know if it still exists. I never tried it out. The 4D uh, theater, I think downtown Toronto, where they're slapping water in your face while you're watching it. Like, what's going on? To be honest with you, I think that there were smells that were emitted throughout the movie and possibly like, you know, maybe some like spritz of water or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. Definitely smells, though. Um I, but I'm sure I don't know. It shook my head, just it's, so everybody it's knows. It's still in operation. I want to find still... out. I think if it's still going, we got to go see a movie in Smell-O-Vision. Yeah, Smell-O-Vision is definitely worth it. I'd pay four extra bucks for that. Yeah. Uh, 4DX. <laughs> 4DX. <laughs> uh, Young and Dundas uh, is where it's going to be. Oh, a Cineplex Cinema's Hamilton Mountain. Yeah, uh, that's where I saw uh, Crimes of the Future uh, to no audience whatsoever. Look at all of these effects. Holy shit. Transform. We got to go see something in this, man. <laughs> right, Transform movie off. experience. There's motion. There's water. Like water shot and mist. Fog. Rain. Wind. Vibration. Lightning. Air. Bubbles. Sense. Ticklers rainstorm <laughs> and snow i can't like i want to go get tickled in the movie theater it's i don't like know a tesla doing. coil in this fucking <laughs> theater oh man we gotta we gotta do it oh man that sounds so stupid i'm in 
<sighs> I all right. Uh, I guess we gotta should. Do we introduce this movie? I think people know what Top Gun Maverick is. Yeah, I don't think we. Need to why don't you give like a basic plot? Or I'll do it. Like sure. You or no, you do it actually. I'll <laughs> look up the times for the 4DX Top Gun that we're gonna go see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, we have Maverick, our ace pilot, who's brought back to coach a, uh, a alumni of Top Gun Academy to uh, do a really, really wild mission. Uh, Would you say it's an impossible mission? It's impossible. It's definitely impossible. Uh, with uh, life afterwards being improbable. Um, basically, they have to destroy a uh, um, a site where they're looking to build nuclear arms. WMDs. <laughs> so is, is that is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, what, whatever. They, they have to fly really low to stay below uh, below SAM sites, which would shoot rockets at them and go through this canyon and then. You know, it's almost like the the Star Wars run thing. I, I don't watch Star Wars, so I, you know they're they're going through the trench and they have to deposit a bomb and then they have to get out. Um, unlike Star Wars, this is actually entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like when they're talking about basically, in order to like accomplish this mission, they have to train so well because there's uh, basically a lot of the maneuvers are strong enough to actually warp the frame of the plane. And like the, the G force that's imparted on the uh, pilot is so aggressive that the chances of like passing out while you're flying are like incredibly high. So there's, he's really pushing them to the limit. <laughs> <laughs> and among the classes, uh, miles tellers character, uh, rooster who is goose's son, uh, who has a bone to pick with Maverick. That's good enough. Right. That's a, that's a good yeah. summary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't need to get any more. I, I, I think I liked it more than you, uh, as legacy sequels go. I had a, a good time and you had mentioned that there was like a lot of like, Oh yeah. You've seen top gun OG, right? Like nudge moments. I, I agree there are, but I don't think that they're as annoying as most movies. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, most movies being like most legacy sequels yeah. are like, uh, you know, trying to resuscitate a property. There's a lot of like, like we're trying to pull the nostalgia out of you. So you have a good time. I think this did largely a good job. I think the tone was a little bit off for me um, from the original. Like the original is like such a hot, dumb beefcake movie. Yeah. I'm like, I just like make it as stupid as that. And it was a bit too earnest. You know, there's the remake trend of like trying to, you know, out, maybe like elevate this movie, like just be what like we want you to be, which is stupid fun. Um, yeah. My partner did make a good point though, that the, original does become pretty maudlin after goose dies and, and like i you know uh, I, I guess that's true it's not as fun as it is in my head uh yeah. um but yeah I, I, like yeah still like i i had a great time watching this movie i thought it was fun miles tellers mustache.com uh, <laughs> yeah i think it's uh, i think it's a good movie i i didn't love it uh, but I, I definitely had fun with it. Obviously, I'm planning on seeing it again now in 4DX uh, yeah, rather yeah. than the, uh, you know, just the D box. Yeah. Know? But I want to, I want to get tickled and I want to see the <laughs> lightning. <laughs> the lightning. Um, but yeah, like I think what I said to you was the the aerial photography and combat stuff is the reason to watch the movie. Yeah, That's, it's unreal. It's it's impressive stuff, uh, and you can tell that. You know, I believe that it was all or majority shot practically 
um, with these actors uh, actually being in jets themselves. And, you know, it, it sounded like I you know, watched a couple of interviews and things afterwards, uh, and it sounds like it was uh, an interesting filmmaking process because obviously uh, Joseph Kaczynski can't go up in the jet and direct you. So it's like, go and do a run and then come back. And then afterwards we're going to have to, you know, then he'll give direction and then you have to go up in the plane again and do it. So I imagine it cost him a shitload of money to, to make this movie and go about it that way. But uh, it all to, you know, the betterment of the movie, it looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, like you said, it is a lot of fun. They're just the, a lot of the stuff in between the, the like dog fighting or the aerial photography training stuff. Just I was just kind of like okay, like I just want to get to the next like plane sequence, or, yeah. You know, where I was just like I wasn't loving any of the other characters all that much. I didn't really give a shit about the Jennifer Connelly romantic <laughs> not at all relationship. Yeah. I was kind of like, this is yeah, I, yeah. I don't really give a shit. She's um, an underserved character, like yeah, yeah. And then there's some funny moments in in the other parts as well, you know, like some good lines and things like that. So it's a fun, solid movie. Definitely, like if you're if you're interested at all in watching this movie, watch it in the theater because it's worth <laughs> seeing on the big screen. Yeah, um, and you know, hey, maybe go check out it in in D box or four DX if that's available near you, and enjoy getting tickled. Yeah, characters are really wet, which I like. I like I like sweaty movies. Yeah. I like sweaty looking actors, and they're sweaty. And I think there's something that happened in this movie that might appeal to you over the original, because they've upgraded the beach game to football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like oh, that's one of the scenes where I was like, oh, remember the first one where they were yeah, sweaty yeah, yeah, yeah. on the beach doing stuff? Well, now they're playing sports sweaty on the beach again. So I, I again, like I, I, I agree. It does feel like you know, like high five. You've seen the original. Good on you. Yeah. Uh, it, it his character, like Maverick's character, does have like a reason for doing it, which I appreciate. Like it, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's it works it's within plain. the yeah the plot. Yeah, it yeah. does make it, sense. Even like when uh, Rooster is doing the "you shake my bones and rattle my brains," like it doesn't. It, what's yeah. interesting there is that uh, it's like a moment of sadness for Maverick's character from outside the bar, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Um. So it, it's a way to like call back to the original movie while doing something new with it that doesn't feel like it's like hitting you over the head. Um. And it makes sense. Like he was a child, and that's like his tether to his father right before he passed away. It kind of like makes sense that he'd do the same thing in the same bar that his father did, right? Yeah. Um. So it didn't, it like, it, yeah, it worked better with me. Again, like yeah. I agree, Jennifer Connelly, a, a, an unfortunate character that shouldn't uh or should have had like like much more to her yeah. uh but yeah i almost wish that they just had him marry the oh i always forget her name from the first movie just like had him, yeah like just have her him married to her and then like or don't have uh the, the love interest like they're not whatever. gonna bring kelly mcgillis back to be Tom Cruise's wife in this movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Have you seen Kelly McGillis recently? It, it's funny because I think she I said, like, I got old and fat. I think it was what she said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, and whatever. Like, well, yeah. And I'm not saying, like, fuck that. Don't put an old fat lady in this movie. <laughs> it's more like knowing what the studios are going to be looking for for a Tom Cruise love interest in this movie yeah. is not going to be. Kelly McGillis. I would, that would have been amazing if they put her in this movie as his love interest. We're just like, yes, so you're this down. is what happens. That's life. You're down. Yeah, it's yeah life. absolutely. Like, it's just I, like, I there's no way they would have. 
Yeah, it just feels like like uh, what happened to her character? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's a question for you, though. Yeah, sure. Not that it took away from the movie, really, or in movies when I see it. But does this happen in real life where, like, a group of people are just, like, hop on a piano at the bar and start singing and the whole bar, like, gets into it and everyone's, like, having a great time singing it? It just seems like... I feel yeah, like it's annoyed. Annoyed. a scene in a movie or in, like, other movies and everyone's, like, wow, everyone starts singing the song together. It's such a party vibe. It's like... I've never been anywhere where like people just like broke out into a song and everyone got on board with it and like had a great time. It seems I, odd. Yeah. maybe I'm going to the wrong parties. But... Uh, it happened to me once on the uh, TTC subway. Uh, somebody broke it into like a Queen song and the whole like car got into it for whatever reason. Really? Uh, uh, so Toronto Transit Commission is TTC for anybody who's not from Toronto. Uh, we were just on a subway car and somebody i don't remember what the song was it was like after a uh maybe like a blue jays game i went to i don't i don't even like baseball by the way but i'll like i'll go anywhere where like a group of people are like enjoying something because i like a spectacle and it kind of like i can feed off of the energy of other people so uh i just went with a friend who enjoyed it more and that was the experience on the subway car uh after this but it's the only time i've ever seen anybody break well, it. Hey, I, I would be annoyed if somebody was fucking on a piano in a bar and i'm like i want to <laughs> talk to my buddy like stop please and if everybody else started to contribute to that i'd be like i'm in a, I'm in a madhouse i wouldn't enjoy myself yeah <sighs> but uh but yeah i mean i don't have a lot to say about the movie i don't think there's a whole lot to unpack about it no, um no. won't spoil any details i don't yeah. know if there's a ton to spoil either but uh but yeah solid movie if you're interested on top gun or just like looking for something to watch in the theater to get the cinema experience go watch it it's good You'll have fun. Aerial combat stuff is cool. And uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's I had sweaty it. palms during the action. I was like stressed out. Uh, that's how well it's <laughs> shot and filmed. Yeah. It's really well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I, we've we've exhausted ourselves. This is a normal length uh, yeah. podcast episode, which is great. Um, yeah. I, this is like a middle day recording i feel like i'm like out of it right now so why don't we just call it all right back with sensor uh and i don't know when we'll record it whenever you gets back from uh, her trip but sounds good and in the meantime we'll watch uh demonic and we'll watch uh i'll watch stranger things i'll watch emergency and and then we'll see uh you know if we can coordinate something great if we can't you know we'll try i'll try and see if we can do the 4dx Smell, uh, smell a vision, tickling, screening of something. Oh man, just to tell the, the places, people what it's all about. Of all the places to go, Young and Dundas, like the most reviled place in, <laughs> in all of Toronto. No, we're gonna go to Paramount Drive in Stony Creek. Okay, okay, okay. Well, all right, all right. <laughs> Down to Clown Forty X. All right, guys, that's it. I'm out. Bye. Bye. Bye.